0: Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to The Caring Economy with me, Toby Usnick. Today I'm honored to have as our guest, Nikita Singhal, who is the co-head of sustainable investment and ESG or environment, social and governance at Lazard Asset Management. For those of you who don't know, Lazard is a financial, huge financial firm traded on the New York Stock Exchange under the call letters LAZ. Nikita, Nikita, welcome to The Caring Economy. Thank you for joining us.
1: Thank you, Toby. My pleasure.
0: So one of the first things we like to ask our guests on The Caring Economy is about one's life journey. How did you get where you got today? And uh, even more specifically, Nikita, we're kind of interested in learning about the pivots you took. Why did you go left when everyone else went right? What did you do when you had to either sign off or pick yourself up by the bootstraps and move on again? So. Um, maybe to start with uh, where you were born and went to school and your first job out of school kind of stuff.
1: Uh, Sure, Um, it's a great, great starting question. I um, grew up um, across uh, Thailand and India, half and half, and uh, when you're a good uh, student in Southeast Asia, um, at least and, and definitely in India, it's expected that you go on to study medicine or engineering, uh, neither of which I had much uh, of an interest in. So I was very fortunate at the time to um, learn about this concept of a liberal arts education. And that's what brought me to the United States. Uh, now I did grow up uh, you know, in, in an India that was not nearly as capitalist as it is today. And so we grew up with parents who very much expected that you would have a, uh, you know, respected profession that you would choose to follow and, and pursue. So when I told them that I took this class in business, in uh, you know, during my undergraduate degree, they were quite troubled by it. They thought, you know, business is for people who are greedy and uh, why would you want to try and build a career there, do something more, um, you know, um, noble or respectful. Um, I think it was the, the more classes I took in business at Franklin and Marshall, which is a you know highly undervalued uh, liberal arts institution in the, in the United States, um, I recognized the pivotal role that business plays in society and the ability for it to act as a, as a unit of change, as a driver of change. It, it goes both ways, positive and negative, but uh, by working in the business world, you by virtue have an, have the opportunity to have a much larger impact than you would, uh, for example, working at a small nonprofit. And that kind of realization has, has driven uh, many career choices along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, having said that, I think quickly taking a few classes in business, I realized that accounting and finance are the backbones of business. And so studying that was very crucial uh, I realized quickly that understanding accounting and finance was critical to being successful in the business world. Um, and so, uh, my first internship and work experience was at Goldman Sachs as an investment banking analyst. Um, and I had an amazing time understanding, uh, you know, really kind of getting thrown into the deep end to understand what makes businesses tick, uh, what makes markets tick, how do businesses fit in the landscape of the markets, and what impacts both company fundamentals and valuations. And even at that early stage in my career, I started to see how businesses that created value for society first had the possibility of creating tremendous value for themselves. Mm-hmm. So I had worked on uh, Intrepid Potash, which is a IPO of a, a potash fertilizer company mm-hmm. uh, based out of Denver and uh, speaking with the founders, you know, being part of that roadshow and that IPO as a, as a young analyst, um you know I got to learn about uh, the valuable role that a fertilizer plays in the food supply chain and in an increasing and the increasing demand for food supply for a population that only continues to rise. Um uh, so the ability to continue to feed that growing population was quite um, was a was a valuable need that this company was delivering on. So that was the starting point of my journey.
0: And then you left Goldman to go to uh, to the World Bank, was it?
1: That's right. Um, so I would say there were if there were kind of two uh, three pivotal moments. The one was when I decided I was going to have a career in business. Uh, the second was after my years at Goldman, uh, me realizing that perhaps I wasn't as excited or personally passionate about you know, having a long-term career in investment banking or even in private equity or a traditional hedge fund world. Um, but the World Bank presented a very unique opportunity to do both and to recognize that there isn't necessarily a trade-off between being able to deliver you know, finan- good solid financial returns mm-hmm. and investing in companies that are creating either social or environmental value. So that was exactly what I did. I was still you know, in my twenties uh, able to travel to really amazing places to do due diligence on companies, mm-hmm. um, traveling to the likes of Lithuania and Brazil and Estonia and China uh, to understand how small private companies Are having um, an impact either environmentally or socially in a positive way and Mm -hmm. to construct um, financial um, instruments whether loans or equity instruments for them uh, that suits their needs for for growth and expansion. Mm -hmm. So that was my first uh, real taste for how um, this kind of two-way street that I described now between impact and long-term financial value creation Mm And, uh, and a core belief that has set in since then and now for the last 13 years I've followed, which is that not only is um, there's this famous line about no money, no mission. And, you know, a, a lot of people on the nonprofit side talk about it, which is if impact is not genuinely embedded in uh, the business rationale and the financial rationale to do something it's unlikely to be sustained yep. and vice versa i think if a multi stakeholder approach to running your business is not applied then again your long term financial success is at mm-hmm. is at a risk uh, so that kind of set me on that path
0: well i like to i've written in the um in the caring economy about just the dna of it right like i think business leaders to look at their brands and ask themselves what is our DNA and that that CSR or that ESG strategy that caring is uh, an expression of that DNA because if it doesn't really come from within isn't really an expression of the brand then it's not likely to succeed long time or long term and it's not likely to bring your stakeholders along on the journey would you agree with that absolutely absolutely so so uh, real quickly then, uh, uh, again, ladies and gentlemen, today we're honored to have uh, Nikita Singhal from, she's the co-head of sustainable investment and ESG at Lazard Asset Management. Uh, so so World Bank, from World Bank, then you went on to uh, foundation, was it, or? Uh, That's right. Yep.
1: Um, so in between, I, I decided that I wanted to round out my education and I had mostly been a student of finance and a professional in finance. So. Um, I was very fortunate to get into Harvard Business School and that was a kind of most amazing two years to be steeped in subjects like marketing and strategy and operations and also uh, to meet people from around the world who have such uh, diverse passions and perspectives around business. So after those two years, I recognized I I felt um, the impact investing space was just about starting to get you know um, have a buzz around it. It it was still very niche, Um, and so most of you know talking about kind of um, turning points in your career, most of my classmates were quite surprised at my decision to go work at a small family foundation in New York. Um, They said I could have many more lucrative and also adventurous opportunities outside of that, but. Um, it felt right to me because it was a foundation that called, it's called the Heron Foundation based in New York. Uh, it, it's a foundation that significantly punches above its weight because it was one of the first foundations in the country and probably in the world um, to observe that their investments might be creating the very problems that their grant making is trying to solve. Mm-hmm. In most foundations, as you're probably and, and you know, listeners are probably aware, uh, if you have 100% of your endowment, 95% of that endowment sits in traditional investments in stocks, yes. bonds and, um, you know, uh, and some private equity, maybe some alternatives. But it's only 5% that's going towards the grants. And if your mission is X, whatever it may be, if yes. you can find a way to align your investments with your mission without necessarily trading off financial returns. Mm -hmm. um that is certainly possible and that was the herculean task that the heron foundation put on a very small team Mm -hmm. uh, of investment staff so i was you know very blessed to get that opportunity to be part of that see that foundation's transition Mm -hmm. and when i was there i recognized that of all the different asset classes it was the the public equity space that had the opportunity to really mainstream this idea of impact investing um, whether you call it sustainable investing or ESG, but mainstream, the idea of environmental social issues being intrinsic to long-term financial value mm-hmm. and the also the recognition that uh, finance and corporate America or, or corporates around the world can drive impact, positive impact. Um, so because of that, I, I w- got a unique opportunity to move to ClearBridge Investments where I was both a renewable energy analyst and also working on, ESG integration across the firm.
0: So you really were on the vanguard at Heron because I think it's probably been now maybe four or five years where uh, Darren Walker, who's a friend of ours over at the Ford Foundation followed your lead, right? Like they've, they've also realized, and he's taken the lead for Ford to migrate more and more of their investment portfolio to mission, consent, uh, mission driven or um, what should I say, uh, mission consistent investments. So uh, kudos to you for helping lead that charge at Heron, uh, and then and then so then you went on to uh, to from Heron to Clearbridge, and then from Clearbridge to Lazard, where you've been now for since 2018. And as the uh, co-head of sustainable investment and ESG, what does that look like? You, I know you work with analysts and portfolio managers, but for our listeners who don't know what your world really entails. Are you basically cheerleading? Or are you uh, being sort of a carrot and stick person with your colleagues? Are you educating them? How? What does your day feel like to you as an inspired professional?
1: Yeah, it's, it's a really great, good question. And I'll come to what the, the day feels like and my um, responsibilities as I see them. But I think uh, a prelude to that, which is a very important, I think, note is that there Um, I firmly believe that to do ESG right, um, uh, we need to be steeped on the investment side of things and having an understanding of uh, what makes companies tick, what makes the markets tick, um, how does an environmental or social issue eventually get priced in, whether it's impacting the revenues of a company or its cost structure or the volatility of its overall cash flows. There are many people in this industry, uh, which is, is, it's a burgeoning industry, but it is still relatively nascent to the history of financial markets, mm-hmm. um, who don't have uh, the context of investing and, and are might be extremely passionate about sustainability. But I think you really need to be equally steeped in accounting and, and finance to be able to do this well. So I always say this, I, I see myself as an investment professional first and as a sustainability professional second because without the first, the second would never be um, uh, as effective. Mm -hmm. Um, In terms of my role, I really kind of see it as uh, me and and Jennifer Anderson, my co-head in London, uh, we oversee all of the ESG activities at the firm, which is very kind of cross-functional. Most importantly, our research and portfolio management functions. So ensuring that our analysts have the training, Uh, the access to the best data and analytics um, opportunities to collaborate and develop frameworks to think about overarching issues that can have company specific impact. Um, and, and engaging with companies on how you know, companies should be progressing on material ESG issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, so all of that training and oversight is, is what our team kind of uh, is responsible for. Mm-hmm. But we extend that to all functions because at Lazard, and this was one of the reasons I was very excited to come work at Lazard because of that genuine match in philosophy that ESG should not be relegated to the, the person with ESG in their title. Uh, ESG should be everybody's job if this is something that we think is um, you know, where the world is headed, where we are increasingly starting to see it get impact our portfolios. Uh, it is not about a glossy PR report or a marketing uh, you know, brochure. It is about actually um, future proofing our portfolios for our clients. Um, and just as we would in any kind of other investment related uh, context, Uh, issues like climate change and increasing inequalities are investment issues and finding ways to um, accurately uh, um, capture the risks and opportunities that emerge from these issues is actually part of our fiduciary responsibility. Mm -hmm. So um, making sure that beyond the uh, research and portfolio management functions, we're working with our technology team, with our reporting team, with our risk team, so that we have these capabilities available for our investment professionals and for our clients uh, is another kind of important sphere of my work. I,
0: I, I find that to be truly impressive and I couldn't agree more in spirit. I've written in The Caring Economy, Nikita, that uh, in, a, in my sort of uh, utopian mind, CSR itself should just go away because it shouldn't be one individual person or department's responsibility. It's, uh, it's just good business sense to be responsible. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, again, today we have with us uh, Nikita Singhal, who is the head of a co-head of sustainable investment and ESG at Lazard, which is a huge asset management firm, $248 billion under uh, assets under management. Um, Stick with us one moment. We'll be right back after this. Uh, Welcome back again, ladies and gentlemen. Today we have uh, Nikita Singhal, who is the co-head of sustainable investment and ESG at Lazard Asset Management. Uh, You'd said a moment ago, Nikita, that you were uh, co-leading this uh, effort with your colleague from London, another woman, which I think is amazing. I love seeing women in great leadership roles because representation really does matter. Um, What's it like to be a co-head? Is it good? Is it competitive? Is it healthy?
1: (laughs) Um, So I think uh, all of the above. It is a great uh, because I'm fortunate, um, and some of this is serendipity, right? To be paired with somebody who I had never met before we were hired, uh, but we um, share such values and at the same time have very complementary skill sets. And I think that actually uh, looking at some research and on the venture capital side for co founders is one of the required, you know, everyone recommends that's a recipe for. Um, you know, maximum effectiveness as a team. Mm -hmm. Uh, So my co-head and I, Jenny, will often have uh, disagreements. Uh, We, uh, but we have such a shared vision for where we want to take this space, the impact we want to have in the industry, in the world, and then also the impact at Lazard, that any disagreement uh, is, we always view that as a good thing because it's going to get us to a better place, get us to a better solution. Um, we, we try to avoid having any kind of egos about this because it is about, uh, we are, we firmly believe that the work that we're doing is increasing the size of the pie rather than us ever having to fight about our slice of the pie. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is just, uh, such a huge opportunity for the investment professionals, for asset managers, um, that this is about, uh, you know, every day we kind of wake up with the enthusiasm of, and... Uh, the gratefulness for the opportunity that we've had. She and I have worked in this space for over fifteen years each, and I don't think either of us anticipated that this uh, um, industry would be so front and center or this space would be so front and center in the financial services industry the way it is today. Mm-hmm. So um, it, it's a wonderful um, it's a wonderful partnership. Uh, we I personally am a big believer in having uh, life principles. And uh, for me, um, you know, uh, Ray Dalio's book, uh, Principles, has been a huge influence as, as well as a lot of stoic philosophy. So uh, you know, the importance of radical candor, the importance of um, uh, humility, simplicity, and having essential intent are, are principles that we try to espouse as, as a partnership. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and then also just having fun, you know, we just don't take ourselves too seriously. We take our work seriously. So oh, yeah. I, I can call her, you know, I, I've literally called her at very odd times for her in London and, and she, to me in New York to complain about a personal issue we're having with one of our kids or our, to complain about our spouses. And, uh, we have a fitness challenge that we do, um, to, you know, keep each other sane in these, in this crazy pandemic right, time. Right. So mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, uh, I think uh, I, can, I can see how co-heads uh, relationships can be tricky, but I think if you have um, a shared vision and, and a commitment to um, making things work, then it can have
0: good outcomes. Yeah. Terrific. Um, I want to ask you um, about that exercise and your sort of um, your peace of mind. So is that one of your uh, secrets to work-life balance is the, the exercise or how do, you, how do you keep it real?
1: That's a great question. I think uh, certainly what I have realized over the years for me is that um, working out whether for me, it's often running and sometimes yoga is uh, no longer about you know, just being fit but it's about metabolizing stress um, and also being able to come back to that place of, of tranquility. So it's certainly a tool that, that I use a lot. Um, the other one is meditation. And uh, when I was at Harvard Business School, um, I uh, took advantage of the time of being a student and, you know, not working, not, um, I wasn't married at the time, no real responsibilities per se. So I used to meditate uh, a lot and, you know, for several hours a day, and it had a significant impact on my life um and my my outlook but also my general kind of uh, ability to deal with obstacles and to deal with everyday uh, um, nonsense that we that we encounter um, so I have a place to get back to and I'm very grateful for that practice um, I did eventually you know um uh, become a meditation teacher so I do uh classes at Lazard as well um uh in the summer we were doing it once every month Uh, But when I was in business school, sorry, this is why I brought up the the business school point. I did a a research study along with a classmate of mine on the impact of meditation on business leadership. And we interviewed business leaders from around the world, including the ex-CEO of Medtronic. Uh, We did research on um, sports coaches and Mm -hmm. CEOs of companies like Salesforce who have uh, been long-term meditators, Uh, Ray Dalio as well, of course, as a well-known figure. Um, and just I started to recognize the academic research that supports, uh, you know, uh, meditation as as a practice. So, uh, yeah, I I would recommend that for anyone who has a
0: you know busy life. I would as well. I actually meditate each morning, but not as as well as you do, I suspect. But it's a practice, and I try to, um, as you suggested, get centered and keep certain things at my core. You call it principles. Um, I like that concept. Uh, for our listeners who are understandably in awe of you and what you've accomplished so far in life how do they two things one how do they find you at lazard for investment opportunities particularly the institutional investors and then what way would you jumpstart a practice of, of meditation you <laughs> is there a meditations for dummy book or something you would recommend not to diminish it but so how do we get yeah. to Lazard for business and to a uh, meditation solution for life?
1: Um, for for anything business-related, I would say our, our website is probably the best resource. There is a ton of information specifically about our ESG and sustainable investment uh, initiatives at the firm. Um, for me personally, certainly you can reach out to me via LinkedIn or Twitter uh, with my name and last name. Um, and in terms of meditation, I would say that I think we often, uh, there is a, a myth that to meditate, you need to have a blank mind, which is, you know, so um, that stress is that stress inducing in and of itself, because that's the minute I tell you, Toby, don't think about a pink <laughs> elephant. That's all you can think about. And and I think part of it is uh, when you meditate, you start to recognize the the tricks your mind plays on you. And so rather than um, you could easily pick out, you know, a simple guided meditation on the plethora of apps that are available today. Um, and I certainly don't have time to do 100, you know, the hours of meditation that I used to do. I have, you know, two kids later and a, and a family and, and, and work. Uh, but even if you can take five minutes out to breathe and just focus on your breathing, um, and to perhaps not try to empty your mind, but rather think about trains of thought, Mm-hmm. And recognize and just and sit back amused at the sheer variety and uh, you know um, uh, idiocy of the thoughts that an individual that you can have in the span of a, a few minutes, I think is quite entertaining. And then it's not about forcing your mind to do something; it's actually an, an entertainment
0: exercise. You're here, here. Uh, ladies and gentlemen. Stay with us. We have uh, ne- Nikita Singhal with us today from Lazard Asset Management. Ladies and gentlemen, again, today we have Nikita Singhal, who's the co-head of Sustainable Investment and ESG, or Environment, Social and governance, at Lazard Asset Management, the $248 billion assets under management firm based here in New York. Um, Tell us a little bit about the role of mentors in your life, and not only who's mentored you, Nikita, but who are you mentoring? Um,
1: I think mentorship, um, I have not had um, very formal mentors, but I have always made an effort to try to reach out to people that I admire and that have, uh, you know, accomplished maybe not necessarily publicly things, but I think that have uh, demonstrated great character and and great um, and have a sense of fulfillment in their lives. So for different reasons, pick different mentors. I think one of the keys is, um, having consistency and developing a relationship with someone where it's not just a one-way street. So even if you're seeking out a mentor, if you can show them that you can be of value to them uh, by sharing you know interesting news, by uh, connecting them with other people that could be helpful, I think that's a really great way to have that build a relationship rather than a you know one way you contacting them every few months for just advice on yes. X or y. And in terms of consistency, there, um, you know, it doesn't have to be something very heavy. One thing that I have done over the last 10 years now is uh, try to put some time and thought into my holiday email that I send out every year. Mm -hmm. And, And I will write, you know, just from my personal experience, something about the year, observations about the year, or some books that I've read. And that email is now has a distribution list that's, you know, a couple hundred. But those each of the individuals on that list have been carefully curated, and people I have a relationship with, mm-hmm. and often I have seen that email actually then spring off into many conversations I have in the first few months of the new year, because people are checking in to see how you're doing, and you know, get mm-hmm. get the latest updates. So, uh, so yeah, I would say consistency and and understanding that it's a give and take, mm-hmm. um, and on the giving end, uh, you know, Toby, um, as we were chatting maybe before the podcast. I also firmly believe that we need to support smart, ambitious, diverse people in, in the industry. I mean, I think in American in business in general, but mm-hmm. in uh, finance, in the finance industry in particular. So anything that I can do to help, uh, you know, smart, ambitious uh, uh, women, uh, people of color, uh, people of, you know, um, the LGBTQ community, for me, that's a very important, important personal uh, commitment. And I take time out of my week every week. Uh, to read to um, respond to people, and this could be people who've cold emailed me on LinkedIn, uh, to people who've, who've uh, come through a warmer connection. But I think taking time out to pay back what people have taught you is really important. And and the people that I'm speaking to today are going to be the leaders uh, in the next ten years.
0: Um,
1: and so it's a way to also just extend your network.
0: It's a a, a great way to end actually today's interview I I couldn't agree more Nikita I try and use this podcast as a way of of doing the same sharing my platform with others and trying to present as diverse an audience as possible because that's the exciting about one of the many exciting parts of the life the world we're living in right now it's changing and we can either be a part of that and help shape it or we can put our heads in the sand and think that you know we want it the way it used to be and it's just not going to be and I think COVID has really amplified that so I want to thank you for sharing your life experience and insight today. Um, I'm also going to give you the final word. Again, today, ladies and gentlemen, we've been privileged to have Nikita Singhal, who is the co-head of Sustainable Investment and ESG at Lazard Asset Management uh, on the New York Stock Exchange under LAZ, or I believe your URL is lazard.com. Is that correct?
1: Uh, For our corporate website, for asset management, it's lazardassetmanagement.com.
0: Terrific. So, uh, final thoughts from you, Nikita.
1: No, I think for all those listening out there, we um, I would just urge you to recognize the power that you have as an individual to make a difference. Whether it's in your, uh, you know, lives as you think about saving water or electricity, or if in the institutions that you work at, or the impressions that you leave your children with, I think we ha- all have the power to make a positive difference and. Um, I'm doing the best I can in the capacity that I have. And so I just urge us all to work together because we have some very serious issues that the world is facing right now, um, most notably climate change. And um, if we cannot solve this unless we're, we're united against
0: it. Thank you so much for joining us today on The Caring Economy. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll see you next week.